Okay, brothers and sisters, uh, praises be to our loving Yahuwah God for, again, continuing to be with us, sustaining us, and strengthening us. It's always our pleasure to study all about His words. Just to remind everyone, today happens to be the Feast of Tabernacles. And so during this time, it was customary for the people of God to recollect and to remind the people of Israel, the people that belong to Yahuwah, about the mighty acts of Yahuwah our God. And so it was a time of joy because after all, if you know Yahuwah God is walking with you and is with you, it doesn't matter who the adversaries are, you're going to feel that joy. And so brethren, we invite you in this season of joy to recall the mighty acts of Yahuwah God in our life. And so we will study his words because it's a manifestation of his wisdom and his love for each one of us. So we're going to study now about the Levites. These are the tribe. This is the tribe of Levi. Remember, Jacob had 12 sons. One of them was Levi. And so he had a tribe. He had a clan. And they were special to Yahuwah God because they were appointed for service. And so the tribe of Levi is worthy of studying. And they are described also in the book of Numbers. But before we go to Numbers, let us first determine, well, who is who are some of the Levites that you know of? Who is the most famous Levite that you know of? Maybe he's not that famous. <laughs> you can't think of a name. <laughs> Any Levites come to your head? We were studying all about the Levites. Who is a famous Levite, especially in the Old Testament? Famous Levite that we need to know. Who could that be? Well, let's go ahead and find out. Before we jump to the book of Leviticus, what are we studying now? Numbers. Before we jump to the book of Numbers, let's go first to the book of Exodus. And this is what it says, 16 to 20. Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. They were the ancestors of the clans that bear their names. Levi lived 137 years. Gershon had two sons, Libni and Shimei, and they had many descendants. Kohath had four sons, Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel. Kohath lived 133 years. Merari had two sons, Mali and Mushi. These are the clans of Levi with their descendants. Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed. Does that ring a bell? We're asking, remember our trivia question at the outset of this Bible study, who is the, the most famous Levite of all? Well, Levi had three sons. Who were they? Gershon, Kohath, Merari. Kohath, one of the sons, had four sons. One of them was Amram. Amram, Izar, Hebron, and Uziel. Now, Amram married his father's sister, Jochebed. And because of their union, they had some kids. Who were they? In the next verse, who bore him Aaron and Moses. Amram lived 137 years. Who is the most famous Levite of all? Moses, who came from Kohath. He was a Kohathite because there were three major camps of the Levi clan. Gershonites, Kohathites, and the Merarites. Moses was a Kohathite. And so what was significant about the Levites, especially the line of Aaron? Let's read what it says. In the next passage, Numbers 3, 1 down to 4 and 10, this is the family line of Aaron. And Moses 
as it was recorded when Yahuwah spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. The names of Aaron's sons were Nadab, the oldest, Abayu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. The sons of Aaron were anointed and ordained to minister as priests. But Nadab and Abayu, we know what happened to them, right? Died in Yahuwah's presence in the wilderness of Sinai when they burned before Yahuwah the wrong kind of fire, different than what he had commanded. Since they had no sons, this only left two, Eleazar and Ithamar, to serve as priests with their father, Aaron. Appoint Aaron and his sons to carry out the duties of the priesthood. But any unauthorized person who goes too near the sanctuary must be put to death. And so the Levites included Moses, Aaron, what was special about the line of Aaron? The Bible says, Yahuwah instructed Moses to appoint Aaron and his sons to carry out the duties of the priesthood. So for one to be a priest, it was not enough for this person to be a Levite. He had to be a Levite, but he also had to belong to Aaron's, one of Aaron's sons or descendants. However, he only had two descendants left, right? What happened to the first two? Nadab and Abayu. They passed away. God killed them because they did not follow the commands of the father. And so he had two sons left, Eleazar and Ithamar. So we can trace the priests and the high priests through Eleazar and Ithamar. And so the priesthood was given specifically to the sons of Aaron. And because they are priests, what was the responsibility of the priest? We know they were to lead in the sacrifice of offerings. They lead in worship in general, right? They present the burnt offerings to Yahuwah God. However, in addition to that, what also were they in charge of? Let's read Numbers 4, 5 to 6. When the camp moves, want to pause there for a while. This was during the time of the wilderness journey because Numbers speaks about the time when Israel was traveling from Egypt all the way to the Promised Land. They were stuck in the wilderness because of their sin. They were stuck there for 40 years. And so while they were traveling, they camp, right? And they go from one destination to the next, depending on Yahuwah's leading. Now, when the camp moves, Aaron and his sons must enter the tabernacle first to take down the inner curtain and cover the Ark of the Covenant with it. Then they must cover the inner curtain with fine goatskin leather and spread over that a single piece of blue cloth. Finally, he must put the carrying poles of the Ark in place. Now, because the tabernacle that they had was portable, it was made of tents, every time the camp had to move, well, they had to make sure that the articles inside the tabernacle, like the Ark of the Covenant, it had to be cared for and protected. Who was the one who took charge of that? The priests, right? And so they took care of the Ark of the Covenant. They made sure it was covered well to make sure that not, no people can see it was covered. Not only was the Ark of the Covenant covered, what also was covered by blue cloth in Numbers 4, 7 to 12. Next, they must spread a blue cloth over the table where the bread of the presence is displayed. And on the cloth, they will place the bowls, the pans, jars, pitchers, and the special bread. 
They must spread a scarlet cloth over all of this and finally a covering of white goatskin leather on top of the scarlet cloth. Then they must insert the carrying poles into the table. Next, they must cover the lampstand with a blue cloth, along with its lamps, lamp snuffers, trays, and special jars of olive oil. Then they must cover the lampstand and its accessories with fine goatskin leather and place the bundle on a carrying frame. Next, they must spread a blue cloth over the gold incense altar and cover this cloth with fine goatskin leather. And they must attach the carrying poles to the altar. They must take all the remaining furnishings of the sanctuary and wrap them in, a, in blue cloth, cover them with white, fine goatskin leather and place them on the carrying frame. You notice the details that is included in this command. You see, Yahuwah God is very meticulous about the care of the furnishings inside the sanctuary. The ones in charge to make sure they are covered well and protected were the priests. And when the priests have prepared the articles inside the sanctuary, what then can the people of Israel do? Numbers 4, 4 13 and 15, they must remove the ashes from the altar, the sacrifices and cover the altar with a purple cloth, all the altar utensils, the fire pans, meat forks, shovels, basins, and all the containers must be placed on the cloth. And the covering of fine goatskin leather must be spread over them. Finally, they must put the carrying poles in place. The camp, the whole Israel camp, the camp will be ready to move when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the sacred articles. And so the movement of the people of Israel, they can only move to their next destination only after the articles of the sanctuary have been properly prepared and covered. So this was the work of the priests. No one else but the priests. However, the priests also had assistants. Raise your hand if you know who the assistants of the priests were. What do you think? Who assisted the priests? It could not be just anyone. God was very specific about who can assist the priests. And if you did not belong to this tribe and you went to the tabernacle by yourself, you would be smoked on the spot. Who are they? The assistants. That's right. Numbers 3, 5 to 9. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, call forward the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron, the priest, to serve as his assistants. They will serve Aaron and the whole community, performing their sacred duties in and around the tabernacle. They will also maintain all the furnishings of the sacred tent, serving in the tabernacle on behalf of all the Israelites, assigned the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They have been given from among all the people of Israel to serve as their assistants. So there were assistants assigned to help the priests, including the high priest. They were the Levites. Of course, they worked closely together. How special were the Levites to Yahuwah, our God? Numbers 3. 11 and 13. And Yahuwah said to Moses, Look, I have chosen the Levites from among the Israelites to serve as substitutes for all the firstborn sons of the people of Israel. The Levites belong 
to me, for all the firstborn males are mine. On the day I struck down all the firstborn sons of the Egyptians, I set apart for myself all the firstborn in Israel, both of people and of animals. They are mine. I am Yahuwah. Now, if we go back in Exodus to Exodus and remember what Yahuwah commanded the people of Israel to do after they were set free from Egypt, God said to his people Israel, the firstborn sons are mine. What does that mean? They were to serve Yahuwah in a special way on behalf of the people. They were supposed to be the firstborn. However, Yahuwah, during this time in the book of Numbers, rather than having the firstborn sons of the people of Israel throughout all the different clans, God set apart the Levites. For some reason, the Levites became very special to Yahuwah God, right? Do you want to know why? The Levites became very special to Yahuwah God. We'll find out later on. Okay. Remember, Moses was a Levite, but there's something else that God saw in the heart of the Levites that made him decide the Levites are going to be the one I set apart for myself. Originally, Yahuwah said to his people, okay, it'll be the firstborn. But then Yahuwah says, no, I want the Levites. They will be substitutes for all the firstborn sons and so because they were to substitute the firstborn sons what did they require from the people of israel numbers 3 39 to 41 when moses and aaron counted the levite clans at Yahuwah's command the total number was twenty-two thousand males one month old or older then yahuwah said to moses now count all the firstborn sons in israel who are one month old or older and make a list of their names. The Levites must be reserved for me as substitutes for the firstborn sons of Israel. I am Yahuwah and the Levites livestock must be reserved for me as substitutes for the firstborn livestock of the whole nation of Israel. This is why a census was also taken. They were, it, the Yahuwah instructed the people of Israel to calculate the number of first uh, what um, people who were one month old or older among the Levites and also among the people of Israel. And when they counted, there was a total of 22,000 males one month or older from the clan of the Levites. However, how many Males, one month or older, were they able to count for the firstborn sons of the people of Israel? In the book of Numbers 3, 20, 42 to 45, so Moses counted the firstborn sons of the people of Israel, just as Yahuwah had commanded. The number of firstborn sons who were one month old or older was 22,273. And Yahuwah said to Moses, take the Levites as substitutes for the firstborn sons of the people of Israel and take the livestock of the Levites as substitutes for the firstborn livestock of the people of Israel. The Levites belong to me. I am Yahuwah. Remember, in Exodus, what was Yahuwah's command? The firstborn sons belong to Yahuwah. But then Yahuwah changed it. Yahuwah says, no, I want the Levites. The Levites will replace the firstborn Sons, how many Levite, how many Levites did they have? 
who were one month old or older, 22,000, right? From the people of Israel, how many did they have? 22,273. So there are 200 and 273 unaccounted for. And so what was used to redeem the 273? Uh, 46 to 51, there are 273 more firstborn sons of Israel than there are Levites to redeem these extra firstborn sons. Collect five pieces of silver for each of them, each piece weighing the same as a sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 gerons. Give the silver to Aaron and his sons as the redemption price for the extra firstborn sons. So Moses collected the silver for redeeming the firstborn sons of Israel who exceeded the number of Levites. He collected 1,365 pieces of silver on behalf of these firstborn sons of Israel, each piece weighing the same as the sanctuary shekel. And Moses gave the silver for the redemption to Aaron and his sons, just as Yahuwah had commanded. And so there were 273 more firstborn sons of Israel than there were Levites. And so they had to be redeemed. How so? By means of coin, right? Just pieces of silver. They were to collect uh, how many pieces of silver? The Bible says collect five pieces of silver, each weighing the same as the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 geras. How much is the how much is that if we are to use uh, today's dollar? I have no idea. Maybe you can do some research on that. The point is, the Levites became special to Yahuwah, our God. So much so, Yahuwah said, they belong to me. So we need to know why they became so special to Yahuwah, our God. Now, who were the Levites? How were they organized by Yahuwah God? Because remember, the people of Israel from the different camps were organized well by Yahuwah God, right? Around the tabernacle area. That was our lesson last week. Well, how did Yahuwah God organize the Levites? Let's read the book of Numbers 3, 14 to 20. Yahuwah spoke again to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai. He said, record the names of the members of the tribe of Levi by their families and clans. List every male who is one month old or older. So Moses listed them just as Yahuwah had commanded. Levi had three sons whose names were, were they again? Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. The clans descended from Gershon were named after two of his descendants, Libni and Shimei. The clans descended from Kohath were named after four of his descendants, Amram, Ezar, Hebron, and Uziel. Clans descended from Merari were named after two of his descendants, Mali and Mushi. These were the Levite clans listed according to their family groups. So there were three major groups of Levites. Who were they? The Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merarites. They all served in the tabernacle as assistants to Moses, Aaron, and the priests. And the Gershonites, the Kohathites, and the Merarites, they camped by the tabernacle. If you still remember, in last week's lesson, we had the center of the camp, right? It was the tabernacle, and all the other camps 
surrounded it. And north of the camp is the camp of Dan, which is, and it was composed of Dan, Naphtali, and Asher. To the east, the camp of Judah. To the south, the camp of Reuben. And the camp of Ephraim to the west. The Levites also had a camp. Where was the camp of the Levites? It's in that yellow square depicted on the screen. The tabernacle is the one depicted in blue, right? And so the Levites camped there right by the tabernacle, which makes sense because they're in charge of the upkeep, the maintenance of the tabernacle. And they assisted the priests when it comes to the morning and evening sacrifices offered to Yahuwah our God. And so how were they organized? Well, the next slide, the Merarites occupied the northern part of the tabernacle. The one in the center, that's the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle has two parts, one on the left, the ark, that is the most holy place. What ark is that? Is that Noah's ark? That's not, that's not Noah's ark, that's the ark of covenant. On the right, you got the lampstand, bread table, the incense, right? And so that's the uh, holy place. The most holy place is the one where the ark is at. Only the high priest can go to the most holy place, and only once a year. When is that? The day of atonement. And so Moses, Aaron, and the sons, they occupied the eastern part of the ark. Eastern part of the tabernacle, I should say. To the south, the Kohatites. To the west, the Gershonites. To the north, the Merarites. These are the different groups of Levites, together with Moses, and the priests, including Aaron, the high priest. That's where they camp in the middle of the camp of all Israel. Now, let's begin with the Gershonites. What were their specific tasks? In the book of Numbers 3:21 to 26, the descendants of Gershon were composed of the clans descended from Libni and Shimei. There were 7,500 males, one month old or older, among the Gershonite clans. They were to occupy the west part of the tabernacle, verse 25. The two clans were responsible to care for the tabernacle, including the sacred tent with its layers of coverings, the curtain at its entrance, the curtains of the courtyard that surrounded the tabernacle and altar, the curtain at the courtyard entrance, the ropes and all the equipment related to their use. So that was the responsibility of the Gershonites. Basically, what was it? Well, in addition to general service, like assisting the priests, when it comes to slaughtering an animal, they also had to take care of the tabernacle. And when we say take care of the tabernacle, mainly the curtains. Because remember, you have to take it, you have to unpack and then repack the curtains when you have to go from place to place, right? That was the duty of the Gershonites. And they had to be well organized because they have to move swiftly. They have to pack and unpack and be ready to go. They have to do this constantly because when Yahuwah says, go you have to go right away you cannot keep yahuwah waiting and so to do this efficiently there had to be a lot of uh, organization involved and so the gershonites knew exactly what they needed to do they were in charge of packing the curtains and also for general service and carrying other loads and of course it is aaron and his sons that will direct the gershonites when they move from place to so that basically is the role of the Gershonites. However, the more important role was given to the Kohatites. 
what was their role? Numbers 327 to 32, the descendants of Kohath were composed of the clans descended from Amram, Izar, Ebron, and Uziel. There were 8,600 males, one month old or older, among the Kohathite clans. They were responsible for the care of the sanctuary, and they were assigned the area south of the tabernacle for their camp. The leader of the Kohathite clans was Eli Zafan, son of Uziel. These four clans were responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the various articles used in the sanctuary, the inner curtain, and all the equipment related to their use. Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, was the chief administrator over all the Levites with special responsibility for the oversight of the sanctuary. You have to take note, the one directing the Levites in all their activities were who? The priests. You had the high priests, and you got two assistants to the high priest, the sons of Aaron. So they were directing the activities of the Gershonites and also the Kohatites. And so the, the Kohatites were in charge basically of the most sacred objects there inside the sanctuary or the tabernacle. And so when the priest has packed everything together and the camp is ready to go, what will the Kohathites do? Numbers 4.15, the camp will be ready to move when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the sacred articles. The Kohathites will come and carry these things to the next, to the next destination. But, here's a big but, and you know this passage very well, but they must not touch the sacred objects or they will die. So these are the things from the tabernacle that the Kohathites must carry. And so when they were carried, they had the poles, right? That was inserted by the priests. They must not touch the sacred objects. Yahuwah God is very particular about that command of Yahuwah our God. Just ask Uzzah, remember the story of Uzzah? And this is why we cannot take these laws and commands of Yahuwah God lightly. And so the Kohathite clans the Kohathite clan were working closely with the, the priests. What also is their duty? In the book of Numbers 4, uh, 17 to 20, uh, Yahuwah said to Moses and Aaron, do not let the Kohathite clans be destroyed from among the Levites. This is what you must do so that they will live and not die when they approach the most sacred objects. Aaron and his sons must always go in with them and assign a specific duty or load to each person. The Kohathites must never enter the sanctuary to look at the sacred objects even for a moment or they will die. Can you imagine that? These are already Kohathites. These are Levites. But they could not even look at these sacred objects even for a moment or they will die. Do you know what that tells us about Yahuwah? It speaks about his holiness, right? That's how holy Yahuwah God is. Because even though they were comatized, even though they were selected by Yahuwah God, they, there were still boundaries. The Old Testament, the laws given by Yahuwah God, shows to us, communicates to us, the perfect holiness of Yahuwah God. This is why when the prophet Isaiah saw a vision of Yahuwah God, he said to himself, holy, holy, holy is God. 
And he said, I'm so unworthy to be able to see Yahuwah God my vision. That's how holy he is. But can you imagine because of what he did, he gave up his son. We can now enter the most holy place. Isn't this what we learned from the worship service last week? Because, if he, gave, because he gave up his son, we can now approach Yahuwah God so that we can receive his presence. And so we should never take that for granted. And when we study this book, the book of Numbers, we need to all the more appreciate the love of God. Because for us to appreciate the love of God, we need to first realize just how holy he is. And because of his holiness, back then there were strict boundaries that keep people away from Yahuwah, our almighty God. So this, these were the Kohatites. How about the Merarites? What was their function? Numbers 3, 33, 37. The descendants of Merari uh, were composed of the clans descended from Mali and Lushi. There were 6,200 males, one month old or older among these Merarite clans. They were assigned the area north of the tabernacle for their camp. The leader of the Merarite clans was Zuriel, son of Abihel. These two clans were responsible for the care of the frame supporting the tabernacle, the crossbars, the pillars, the bases, and all the equipment related to their use. They were also responsible for the posts of the courtyard and all their bases, pegs, and ropes. And so when we look at the tabernacle, the curtains, who were in charge of the curtains? Gershonites. The furnishings inside the sanctuary, who were, who were they? Kohatites. How about the frames? Because in order to keep the curtains up, you have to have frames, right? You have to have some kind of infrastructure. Who was in charge of carrying that? Yeah, the Merarites. So they worked together as a team. And so the Merarites, they carry the frames of the tabernacle. The Levites, you might be thinking, okay, what an exciting job, <laughs> right? But you know, brethren, the people of Israel, they could not even come close to the tabernacle. And the tabernacle represented fellowship with who? Yehovah God. So the Levites, they were special. What they had was special because not many can even approach the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, in the book of Numbers 338, the area in front of the tabernacle in the east or the sunrise was reserved for the tents of Moses and of Aaron and his sons who had the final responsibility uh, for the sanctuary on behalf of the people of Israel. Anyone other than a priest or Levite who went too near the sanctuary, what happens? Was to be put to death. That's why to be a priest, to be a Levite, to belong to the tribe of Levi, it was a great blessing. So it, it, it makes us wonder, what was it about the Levites, right? Why are they such, why did God set them apart? Why did God choose them over the other uh, tribes? Well, before we answer that question, how many um, working Levites were they able to count in the camp of Levi? In Numbers 4, 46 to 49, so Moses, Aaron, and the leaders of Israel listed all the Levites by their clans and families, all the men between 30 and 50 years of age who were eligible for service in the tabernacle for its transportation, numbered how many? 8,580. When their names were recorded, as Yahuwah had commanded through Moses, each man was assigned his task and told what to carry. 
And so the registration was completed just as Yahuwah had commanded Moses. If you still remember the registration in our last study, there was a registration taken of all male who were 20 years old and above because they were to be what? What, were their, what was their function? They're supposed to? Yeah, they're supposed to fight, right? They were warriors. They, they represented basically the, the army. In total, how many were there? 600,000, over 600,000 warriors, right? Look at how many Levites we have. How many? Only 8,580. Of course, those who were eligible for service had to be between the ages of 30 and 50. Remember Yahusha? How old was he when he started his ministry? He was 30, right? So all the men between 30 and 50 who were eligible, they were counted in this registry for the Levites. And so while the people of Israel, they were being prepared and groomed to protect the nation from foreign enemies, the Levites were there so that the people of Israel can maintain their fellowship with who? Yahuwah, our God. That's the purpose of the services of the Levites. And they were well organized. In our study so far in the book of Numbers, how the camp of Israel and the camp of the Levites, how they're organized. It tells us organization is important to God, right? Orderliness is important to God. It was important back then because they live in the wilderness and they have to move swiftly from place to place, right? During our time, is it also important to be organized? Absolutely. During our time, what does Apostle Paul remind us concerning our duty? Let's read the book of Ephesians 4, 12, and 16. He did this to prepare all God's people for the work of Christian service in order to build up the body of Christ under his control, all the different parts of the body fit together, and the whole body is held together by every joint with which it is provided. So when each separate part works as it should, the whole body grows and builds itself up through love. And so although we don't have a tabernacle, an actual physical tabernacle anymore, what we have is the body of Christ. What's the body of Christ again? That is the church. Should we take care of the church? Yes. Remember how Yahuwah God was so meticulously concerned about the different furnishings of the sanctuary, right? And so every part of the body of Yahusha should be cared for. It is important to Yahuwah our God and to Yahusha HaMashiach. What should we try to do? We should do our best to make sure that the body of Christ will grow and build itself up through love. How can we do this when each separate part works as it should? Back then, they had to be well organized. Every clan, every person had a responsibility, right? Everyone knew what they had to do so that when the time came and they knew exactly what to do, they worked like an organizational unit. We need to do the same thing. This is why as people of God today, we have different functions. We have different parts. We all have different skills, different gifts. We have to work using our different gifts so that we work in cohesion so that we can build up the body of Christ. This is why 
We need to also learn how to organize ourselves so that we can maximize the work that we do to bring up and to build up the body of Yahusha the Christ. But why the Levites? Why the priests? What made them special? Well, it wasn't always like that. Do you still remember what happened to the tribe of Levi? Let's rewind a little bit. Before we get to what happened to the Levites, let's go back to Genesis. Wow, that seems like a long time ago we said the Genesis, right? Just as a reminder to all of you, you probably will remember this. Genesis 34, 25 to 29. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and who? Levi, Dinah's brothers took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamor and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off their wealth and all their women and children, taking us plunder everything in, the houses. Do you still remember the story? The sons of Jacob had a had a sister. Did you know that? What was the name of her sister? Dinah. Dina, Dinah, I guess. What do you say? Is it Dina or Dinah? Let's say Dinah. Dinah, the sister. She was defiled. And so to get revenge, what did Simeon and Levi do? Well, they deceived the people in Shechem. You know what they said? They deceived them into circumcising themselves. Because when they're circumcised, they're physically weak, right? They're still in pain. And so while they are in that physical pain and physically weak, what did they do? They took advantage of that. They attacked the city and they killed every male and they carried, carried off all their wealth and all their women and children, taking them as plunder. Remember this? How Simeon and Levi, they killed wantonly. They killed every male in sight. And why did they do this? To honor their sister who was defiled. So they did this in honor of Dinah. And so when you think about what they did, it was a vicious act, right? In fact, it was such a vicious and aggressive act, a violent act. Yahuwah God did not approve of this. In fact, Jacob did not approve of this. And so when it was time to give up the blessings to the, the tribes of Israel, what did Jacob say about Levi and Simeon? In Genesis 49, 5-7, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they please. Cursed be their anger. So fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. And so because of what the Levites did, what the Simeonites did, right? Because of what Simeon and Levi did, the Levites and the Simeonites were cursed by Yahuwah God. Judgment was passed against the Simeonites and the Levites. What did God give as a punishment? God said, I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. And so you might be thinking, why on earth did God choose the Levites? Right? Seems like God judged them here. 
Yes, God judged them. And as a matter of fact, when we look at this judgment that God has shown Jacob, which is what is to happen to Simeon and Levi, how was it fulfilled? The book of Numbers 35, 6 to 8, you are to give the Levites six cities of refuge to which any of you can escape if you kill someone accidentally. In addition, give them 42 other cities with their pasture land, making a, a total of 48. The number of Levite cities in each tribe is to be determined according to the size of its territory. Bible says that when they occupy the promised land, the land was to be divided and given to the people of Israel by clan, by tribe, right? Except for the tribe of Levi. They were not to get any land. Simeon was given land, but it was inside the land of Judea or Judah. And eventually Judah absorbed the land of Simeon. Simeon as a tribe did not really last. It did not do anything significant. And so they were basically absorbed by Judah. They were not even among those blessed when Moses was given out blessings. And so that's what happened to Simeon. But Levites, hmm, they did something. And because of that, they were given cities to live in. They had no land, but Yahuwah said, they are to, you can allow them to live in these cities. Six cities were called the city of refuge. Remember when somebody accidentally kills another Israelite? They were allowed to go to a city of refuge so that they would not be accidentally, they would, they would not be hurt by an avenging relative, something like that. Okay, so they can go there and find safety and refuge there. But 42 other cities were given to the Levites. Take note, these 48 cities were scattered throughout all of Israel. And so the prophecy was fulfilled, wasn't it? That they would be scattered among Israel. They did not have their own land. Because when you look at the map, when you look at the allocation of land that they obtained because it was the promised land, you can see how it was divided. You got Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Ephraim, Reuben, Judah, Moab. There's no Levites. You see, Simeon is right smack in the middle of Judah. Eventually, Judah absorbed that. But the Levites, they had no land of their own. However, they had certain cities where they were allowed to live in. And so the judgment against the Levites, no land of their own. Number two, they were scattered and dispersed throughout Israel. So God made it very clear that he was against what Levi did when, when he acted in vengeance to kill the Shemites, right? God made that very clear. He had judgment against the Levites. However, what did God see? And because of what he saw, he ordained the Levites to be a special tribe, a special clan for himself. We got to find out. I think you still remember this. The book of Exodus 32, 19 to 20. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing. Want to pause it for a while. Do you still remember the story? Where's Moses at this time? It was at Mount Sinai. He was with God, right? Yahuwah God was giving him the covenant, the laws. And while he was there, Yahuwah told Moses, Moses, you got to go down. I'm angry with my people Israel. I'm going to destroy all of them. And I'm going to start anew with you. And so forget about Abraham, Isaac, and I'm going to start anew with you. 
And so Abraham, I mean, God was about to do that because he was so upset. But Moses, you know, he kind of pleaded with Yahuwah. And so Moses went down from Mount Sinai. As he was going down, when Moses approached the camp and he saw and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mount. And he took the calf they had made and burned it in, burned it in the fire. And he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Do you remember the story? While he was in the mountain, what did the people do? They created a golden calf. And they worshipped that golden calf. They got their jewelry they got from Egypt. They melted it. And they made a golden calf that they worshipped. And as they worshipped this golden calf, they were dancing and merrymaking. They were living a lascivious way of life. Not too good. Well, Moses was gone. Right? And so when Moses came down, because Yahuwah was about to destroy him, it's a good thing Moses was there to mediate for them. When he went down and he saw it, what did he do in his anger? He grounded the powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Here's my question. The Israelites, why would they drink this water that had this ground powder of golden calf mixed in with it? That was the punishment. That was an expression of repentance, right? And so those who drank that water, it was an expression to Yahuwah God, we're sorry. Please forgive us. We did not know any better, right? Because Yahuwah God was still merciful. He gave them another opportunity to repent. So Moses went down. He pounded the, the uh, golden calf into powder. Made the Israelites drink it. Drink it. Did they drink it? I believe some of them drank it. But most of them did not drink it. Yeah. What's the proof? Well, we read 19 to 20. Let's go 25, 26. Moses saw that the people were running wild. And that Aaron had let them get out of control and so become a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is for Yahuwah, come to me. And so did Yahuwah God give the people of Israel a chance to repent and to return to him? Yes. Right? Remember, here's Moses. He's doing everything he can to appease the anger of Yahuwah. And so he, you know, gave pound, he grounded the golden calf into powder. And he wanted the people of Israel to really repent. But look, the majority of the people, they were running wild. They had no restraint as far as their flesh was concerned. And it was such so bad, it came to a point that they were out of control. Now, when you have millions of people out of control like that is that a dangerous group what do you think yeah and here you are you are one man <laughs> and you have these people who are into themselves enjoying themselves or probably drunk right that would make them into a, a dangerous uh, mob they would be dangerous to you. 
And so Ye Moses said, whoever is for Yahuwah, come to me. Yahuwah God was giving him a chance to repent. You know who went to the side of Moses? Let's keep reading. The following verse says, And all the Levites rallied to him. Doesn't mention any other tribe. Maybe there were a handful from here, that tribe or that tribe. But specifically what Yahuwah saw was the loyalty of the Levites. Right? He rallied Moses. Why? Because they wanted to side with who? Yahuwah. Now when the Levites rallied on the side of Yahuwah, they would make themselves vulnerable. Won't they not? Right? Because the rest of the tribe would now turn against them. Nevertheless, because of their conviction, because of their bravery, they sided with Yahuwah. I believe that's what Yahuwah God saw in the Levites. Even though they were small in number compared to the other camps. <laughs> they sided with who? Yahuwah. Remember, uh, the Levites, I mean, the, the camp of Israel, if you remember how many were there. These people, the, the number of warriors they had, for example, the camp of Dan, 157,000. Camp of Judah, 186,000. Camp of Reuben, 151,000. The camp of Ephraim, 108,000. Of course, this census was taken after this incident, right? But it's, it probably still, it tells us the uh, proportion of the population. And so in total, the number of fighting men Israel had was 600,000. Do you know how many capable men the, the Levites were? How, do you remember? 8,000. 8,580. Can you, can you just picture it? Can you imagine how small 8,580 is compared to 600,000? <laughs> but they decided to side with who? With Yahuwah. And what did Yahuwah God tell the Levites to do? Well, let's read Exodus 32. Moses told them, this is what Yahuwah, the God of Israel says, each of you, Take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, friends, and neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. And Moses told the Levites, today you have ordained, what does it say? Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of Yahuwah, for you obeyed him. Even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers, today you have earned a... And so what did Yahuwah see in the Levites? It was their loyalty and their conviction. Even though they had to face a mighty army, even though they had to kill someone who could be their loved one, right? They did it because of their loyalty to Yahuwah, our God. Now, we have to take this in context. Because someone might twist this passage and say what? It's okay to kill today. <laughs> We're doing this for Yahuwah. What makes this different? Number one, it was Yahuwah's direct command, right? Number two, it was based on righteousness. 
There were people who remained unrepentant. This is why it's different from today. Number three, what did Yahushua say concerning our time today? Yahushua says, whoever lives by the sword dies by the sword. Remember what Apostle Peter did to try and protect Yahushua? Pulled out his sword, cut the, uh, the ear off of the guard. What did Yahushua do? Don't do that. Whoever lives by the, whoever lives by the sword dies by the sword. And what did Yahushua do to the ear that was cut off? Put it back in place, right? We don't do that. We never use religion as a vehicle for violence. We never use religion as a means to kill others. No! Unless Yahuwah himself tells you, right? This is why you cannot use this passage and then twist it and say, okay, we now have a basis for killing those who oppose us. No, this is Yahuwah's direct command. Within context, this is appropriate. And so we can see here that Yahuwah saw the loyalty Yahuwah saw the courage of the Levites. Before Levi, he had courage. He was very loyal to his sister, right? This time, the Levites, their courage came from honoring Yahuwah. Not any human being, but Yahuwah. And they were loyal to Yahuwah, not to any human being, but to Yahuwah. And so when we, when God sees this in the Levites, God said to Moses, Moses said to the Levites, you ordained yourselves. You, and Yahuwah has ordained you to be of service to him. That's what, God, that's what Yahuwah God saw in the Levites. So the judgment against the Levites, number one, no land of their own. Number two, scattered and dispersed from Israel. You know what's God going to do with that? He's going to use that for good. Right? You know how God used that for good? For example, no land of their own. This is what Yahuwah said, Joshua 13. This is the inheritance Moses had given when he was in the plains of Moab across the Jordan, east of Jericho. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance, no land. Yahuwah, the God of Israel, is their inheritance as he promised them. What do you think is better, land or Yahuwah? You see how God transformed the, the judgment that he passed? You see, God redeemed, God redeemed the Levites. And so the judgment was transformed. They have no land, yes, but they got something better, way better. Who is their inheritance? God is their inheritance. What was the judgment number two? They were scattered and dispersed throughout Israel. How did God use that for good? In the book of Deuteronomy 33, 8 to 11, about the tribe of Levi, he said, you, Yahuwah, reveal your will by the Urim and Thummim through your faithful servants, the Levites. You put them to the test at Massah and proved them true at the waters of Meribah. They showed greater loyalty to you than to parents, brothers, or children. They have obeyed your commands and were faithful to your covenant. They will teach your people to obey your law. They will offer sacrifices on your altar, Yahuwah. Help their tribe to go strong. Be pleased with what they do. Crush all their enemies. Let them never rise again. You know, when the Levites were scattered in all the different places of Israel, guess what? You know what that means? It means they were in contact with the people of Israel. Why is that significant? Because Yahuwah reveals his will to thee. 
Levites. To do what? So that they will teach the people to obey their law. And so they were teachers of the law as well. And so God used their dispersion so that the words of Yahuwah would be constantly taught. And he would, they would constantly counsel the people of Israel throughout the 12 tribes across their land. Isn't that nice? Right? And so Yahuwah thought of everything. The judgments were transformed into blessings. Why? Because the Levites were given an opportunity to, re to redeem themselves. And they took that opportunity. Always remember, brethren, as human beings, we're going to make mistakes. Right? We all make mistakes. Maybe you made some mistake in the past. Yahuwah knows that we're human beings. And so he will always give us the opportunity to redeem ourselves. Okay? We make a mistake, he will give us an opportunity to redeem ourselves. When the opportunity comes to redeem ourselves, brethren, let's not waste an opportunity. When the opportunity came, when Moses said, who wants to be on the side of Yahuwah? The Levites went to the side of Yahuwah. Too bad for the Simeonites. But the Levites, they took that opportunity. The road of redemption will always be presented to us. Yahuwah will provide us with a way back to his good standing. So that we can be in right and good standing with him again. This is why every time we fail, brethren, ask for Yahuwah. That he gives you an opportunity to redeem yourselves. Because he will do that. Because he wants to bless us. He wants to see us. To learn from our mistakes. And to become better people because of it. This is why we love the story of the Levites. They were initially judged by Yahuwah God. But God redeemed them. God even said to them. They belong to me. I will appoint them in service. This is why, as people of God, brethren, let us always do our best to look for ways to please Yahuwah, our loving Abba. And when, you, when we think about what we have now in Yahusha, we are greatly blessed. You know why? The book of Revelation 1, 4 to 6, John to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Yahushua Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to whom, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. This is Yahushua's message to the churches. This is Yahushua's message to us. We belong to his church. He is our king. He is our Messiah. And Yahushua said, I died for you. And I freed you from sin because of my blood. That's what Yahushua said. Now that we have been freed from sin, what does he appoint us to do? Yahushua says, you belong to this kingdom now. A kingdom of what? priests. Brethren, we belong to Yahusha. You are all. We are all priests in his kingdom. For what purpose? To serve God 
his father. And so brethren, let us teach, let us serve, let us build up the body of Yahusha, let us expand the kingdom of Yahusha, let us proclaim the name of Abba, the name of his son, the name of Yahuwah and Yahusha as priests today. And so because we are likened to priests now, since we belong to Yahusha, we must have that Levitical loyalty, right? We must have that Levitical heart in us. We must be courageous and loyal. And so what does he expect? What does Yahushua expect from all of us, especially during trying times in our life? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Matthew 10. Listen, Yahushua says, I am sending you out just like sheep to a pack of wolves. You must be as cautious as snakes and as gentle as doves. People will hand over their own brothers to be put to death, and fathers will do the same for their children. Children will turn against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me. But whoever holds out to the end will be saved. So a pupil should be satisfied to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If the head of the family is called Bilzebul, the members of the family will be called even worse names. So do not be afraid of people. Whatever is now covered up will be uncovered and every secret will be made known. What I am telling you in the dark, you must repeat in broad daylight. And what you have heard in private, you must announce from the housetops. Those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father in heaven. But those who reject me publicly, I will reject before my Father in heaven. Brethren, because we belong to Yahusha, we belong to his kingdom, we are priests. What can we expect to happen? Yahusha said, expect to be persecuted, to be hated, to be oppressed. Because the people who have power will try to rule over you, whether physically or spiritually. During the days of the first century Yahushans, they were put to death. And they used family to turn against you. And when we think about the events of those times, it also mirrors what is happening with us today. Is it not? Yahushua says, there will come a point in our life when we, had to make, when we have to make a choice. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai and he saw the people, the majority of the people in idolatry, Yahuwah God gave them the opportunity to make a choice. To make a choice. The Levite said, we will be with Yahuwah. Brethren, Yahusha is telling us now, time will come when we will have to make a choice. What choice are we going to make? What choice does Yahusha want us to make? He says in verse 32, those who declare publicly that they belong to me, I will do the same for them before my Father in heaven. Brethren, always declare publicly you belong to Yahushua. Do not be ashamed of that. Do not ever be ashamed of that. Even if it means the majority will reject you and persecute you and oppress you. Even if it means they will threaten your life. Never be afraid because our loyalty and our courage is for Yahushua and his Abba, our Abba, Yahuwah, our God. That is the Levitical spirit 
courage and loyalty that must be seen in us too. That will move us to make that choice. We will rally with Yahusha and with Yahuwah, our loving God. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Almighty, most holy Father in heaven, Amen. thank you, Yahuwah, yes. for selecting and appointing us yes. to serve you inside your church, Amen. the one redeemed by the shed blood of your son, that we may be free from sin and obtain the privilege and honor to be with you, to dwell in your presence, to receive your grace, mercy, and love. Father, we want to belong to you. We may not have much here on earth, but when we have you, what more can we ever want or desire? You are our true wealth. You are our true riches. Yes. Even if we had everything on earth, yes. we would gladly give it up yes. to simply be with you. Amen. To be with you is better than life itself. Yes. Better than anything in heaven and on earth. Yes. To be with you, the greatest joy that we can ever feel. Father, thank you for your commands. Thank you for the history of your people. Yes. We learned so much from them. This is your way of teaching us, inspiring us, and encouraging us. We want to be loyal to you. We want to be courageous. Yes. When you call upon us to make choices, help us to remember you. Yes. May we feel your presence. Yes. yes, we make many mistakes. We commit sin against you. Yes. Please open a door of redemption for us yes. that we may redeem ourselves. Yes. Thank you so much yes. because you never forget your people. Yahushua HaMashiach. Yes. Thank Lord. you because you have called us to belong to you. Yes. We are ready and prepared to give up all things yes. to endure persecution and hatred that we may proclaim we belong to you yes. always and forever. Amen. Confess our names before Abba and yes. help us to remain loyal to you. Amen. Father, thank you so much yes. for blessing your people yes. long, long ago. Around this season, it was the celebration of tabernacles. Yes. You have blessed them, your people, with joy. Yes. More so we your people today yes, because lord. through your beloved son you can tabernacle in our hearts and we can receive the power of your spirit Amen. so thank you father thank you for everything always be with your people we ask and beg everything in the name of our lord and savior yahushua the christ amen, amen.